And good afternoon, Friday afternoon in town, September 21st. It's my wife's birthday today, so I'm on my best behavior today. Happy birthday, Doreen. And uh, hi, hello, and howdy to everybody else. Nice to have you with us today. It's Inner Vision till 2 o'clock this afternoon, Inner Vision Friday edition, a program about spirituality and health, a program about metaphysics and mysticism, a program about self-realization and the development of consciousness, and a program where uh, often we have guests, and just as often I state a theme, do a little commentary at the top of the radio program, and then open up the telephones. That's what we're going to do today, give you an opportunity to be a featured guest as I talk about a legendary theme, really, and I think you're going to find it really fascinating, and that's the theme, the legend, the myth, if you will, of the sacred spiral. We're going to talk about what that is, and also the countervailing vicious cycle, and the nature of spirit, of course, is that it is an energy, and it vibrates. It has a amplitude, it has a yin and a yang, if you will, and uh, a part of that dynamic is a cyclic nature, and you put it in three dimensions, you get a vortex. We're going to explain all of that, and the difference between the sacred spiral and the vicious cycle, sort of like a toilet flushing, and uh, how you can appropriate those energies and actually wield those energies for good in your life and, of course, in the world as well. That's our topic for the day today. i got uh, an announcement or two I want to make here, and then we'll, we'll jump into that. And as I say, take your telephone calls a little bit later in the hour. Our, uh, our regular producer, Brooks, is with us today, and you'll talk to her at that point. Uh, oh, a couple of announcements real quickly. We have fundraising coming up. I think we have... Uh, one more regular program. Gee, I don't have a calendar in front of me. I think we have one or two regular shows, and then we go into fundraising on, uh, I believe, like, for this show, it would be the 12th. So, um, I think we got two more programs before that, but we'll have some special programming for you during fundraising, and it's always a fun time. Uh, Doreen will come in and join me, and we'll have some premiums and thank you gifts and get you all fixed up here to be a bona fide, a legitimate, and uh, and uh, what, what's the final word I want to say? Conscience-free, free of the nagging conscience that comes from listening to KPFK and not supporting <laughs> this radio station. Uh, I know, it's tough. You want to listen, and yet you feel guilty. Well, you ought to. Because all you got to do is kick a few bucks this way. You know, for as little as $25, you can vote. You can be really a member of this community, especially uh, for, uh, that's a reduced rate for seniors and students, people on fixed income. Normally, we ask 50 bucks. That's less than a dollar a week. think you can handle it. So that's coming up. And uh, I always like to promote it. You know, some people are, uh-oh. Here comes fundraising. No, I think we <laughs> let's promote it because we have special programming and we have a lot of fun too. So a couple of weeks from now, the fall fun drive, and we need you here. So uh, get ready for that. We'll see how much your uh, conscience 
urges you to donate to this great Pacifica mission this time around. And the other announcement I have for you is that uh, we've pretty much filled up the workshop that I'm doing. This is the final seminar that I will be doing in Southern California before I move out of state at the end of the year. And uh, it's six successive Sundays from noon till three, beginning this Sunday in Glendale at the American Red Cross. That's a venue I've been using for workshops for a long time now, probably more than ten years. Nice location right on uh, Brand Boulevard, just south of Los Feliz. If you if you know Brand Boulevard in Glendale, it's down on the south end, 1501 South Brand Boulevard, the Red Cross down there. Uh, noon to 3 tomorrow, and uh, if you have your tuition paid or your deposit, uh, whatever, uh, then you're cool, be sure and show up, and... Uh, if this is the first you've heard about it, check it out on the website. Just go to theagelesswisdom.com. Remember the T-H-E, theagelesswisdom.com, and there's a link right on the uh, splash page up top there for what I'm calling the final seminar. Not the final seminar I'll ever do in my life, but you may have to come to Hawaii to take seminars. Uh in the future. This will be the last one in Southern California anyway. And it's called Finding Yourself, capital S, Self, Your Higher Self, Your True Self, The Authentic Self Behind All the BS Through Emotional Identity, EQ. It's an emotional identity seminar. And boy, if you are enrolled, you're in for a treat. Let's get excited about this because, uh, you know, most of us, uh, I've said this before, it bears repeating. I'm going to open the workshop with the concept, we tell stories. We are storytellers. We have stories about our lives that we tell. The tragedy is that we all too quickly become a character role in a story that we've written and forget that we're the playwright. Forget that we can come up with rewrites. We can do a new and improved edition. You can rewrite that character role that you've been playing. And what a tragedy uh, to live your whole life forgetting that it's just a part you're playing in some story you wrote a long time ago. And it may not serve you anymore. So it begs the question, who are you really? I mean, really, when you put down the BS, the role-playing, the people-pleasing, I mean, just to get serious about the people-pleasing. You know, there's a certain level of wanting to please other people that's totally cool. Who doesn't want to please other people? And yet uh, there's also a point where a need to please other people becomes self-destructive. So that's when we begin to lose track of our true identity and uh, who we really are. And most people will tragically grow old and die and never have any idea what they're really capable of and who they really are, what makes you tick, why you feel the way you feel and think the way you think, why you say the things you say and do the things you do. Wouldn't you like to know? This is not therapy. We're not going to diagnose people or analyze people or make you tell all the intimate stories of your life in front of a crowd of people you just met. No, no, nothing like that. But you will have skill sets, tools, and techniques you can use at home to 
come in touch with the real you, the real deal. And you know, the great part about it is, and I can guarantee this part, the more you know about who you really are, two things will happen. Number one, you will like yourself more. And part of that is not needing to please other people. Again, you'll always want to please folks that you know, but you won't need to please them. You won't be so freaked out about what other people think. So, number one, the more you know about who you really are as an authentic, genuine individual, the more you'll like who you are. And number two, you'll become more humble. And uh, that's sort of counterintuitive. A lot of people play small, uh, pretend they're not as smart as they really are. I can feel people in the <laughs> people in the audience trying to go. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, women do this for men all the time. Play stupid. Oh, I just don't know anything about politics. Right? Uh, that's not in your interest. It's not in the guy's interest. Guys, when you play stupid, that's not in your interest. Being small doesn't aid anybody. But I understand it. It's out of a fear that if we put ourselves first. If we really embark on a personal journey of self-discovery, that we'll get all full of ourselves, all arrogant and pompous and, you know, well, that's not going to happen. People who are full of themselves, egotistical and arrogant, well, those are the people that don't know who they are and they use the ego as a cover. That's what it is. The ego is really just the part of the self that's in charge of survival. It just wants to survive. It, uh, it's Maslow's hierarchy. It stops its self-actualization. It, it, uh, it doesn't go any farther than that. But there is a true self that stands above it all, authentic and genuine, and that's the nice guy that you've been looking for. That's, that's the, the generous, the kind, the loving, the forgiving, the patient, the tolerant, uh, and even the wise individual. So. Check it out. We'd love to have you join us again. i got probably uh, five, six spots left. It's hard to say. Hard to say. But I don't want to really go over 40 people with it. I want it to be an intimate experience, a lot of fun. Okay? So uh, check it out on the website, theagelesswisdom.com. And you'll see the link right on the splash page. We're calling it the final seminar in Southern California. All right, let's talk about our topic for today, the legend of the sacred spiral. And there's really two parts to this, you know. Every good story has uh, a central character, and uh, then there's a nemesis, there's a uh, there's a challenger, there's a bad guy in every story, and that would have to be in, in, in the legend of the sacred spiral, the bad guy would have to be the vicious cycle. And... Uh, Let's talk about this, because I think it's really a breakthrough for a lot of folks to begin to categorize feelings, the emotional feelings that we experience in our daily life and affairs, not merely as positive and negative, but as love-based and fear-based. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, so-called negative feelings have value. Negative feelings are are really only bad if you get stuck in them or ruled by them. 
and don't know what to do to move beyond a negative feeling, some hurt or upset, uh, anger or hatred or uh, any other nonspecific fear. Best to call it what it is, fear, and understand that all of your negative, so-called negative feelings are best described as fear-based. Again, if they have value, just like physical pain has value, I, I, I know none of us wants to feel physical pain, but in order to feel physical pleasure, you've got to have the ability, I guess, to, to feel the full range of feelings. And emotions are the same way. If we're going to have access to love, we need to be able to feel the absence of it, the uh, sense of betrayal. Uh, he or she uh, cheated on me. They, uh, they betrayed me. They gossiped. Uh, they said hurtful things, whatever. And so there's value in the negative. Let's not call it negative. Let's call it what it is, fear-based. All right. So we'll begin at the beginning by dividing our emotional nature into not positive and negative feelings so much as love-based and fear-based feelings. And then the second layer, okay? The second layer is to put understanding and ignorance on top of that. In other words, love has so-called love-based feelings, positive feelings, love-based feelings, has a primary relationship with things that you know and understand about yourself. Love is understanding. Love is many things, a few of which I just named. Love is peace. Love is consciousness. Love is, on the spiritual level especially, fearlessness, the absence of fear. Perfect love, pure love, in a spiritual sense, absolute, complete absence of fear. Okay? And again, peace, inner peace, and uh, consciousness. The idea that love is consciousness. It is awareness. So if love has a primary relationship with things that you understand about yourself, then so-called negative feelings, fear-based feelings, has a primary relationship with everything you do not know about yourself. Well, here come the cycles. Now we got a vortex. Now we've got... Uh, a cycle, a, 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 a <laughs> what can I call it, but a, a, a vicious cycle in the sense of the negative and, and a wonderful upward sacred spiral in the case of the positive. So if everything that we don't know about ourselves is fear-based and uh, comes out of fear and fear comes out of ignorance or things that you don't understand, which is scary, right? We say, what are you afraid of? And, or somebody says to you, perhaps, well, what are you worried about? And you go, well, I don't know. I don't really know. Well, isn't that the point? Isn't that what fear is, things unknown? There's always uh, one person in the crowd that will stand up and say, no, fear is about danger. Yeah, could be. Real or imagined, most of the danger we fear is imagined. But even then, I would argue that in the presence of clear danger, clear and present danger, we'll say it that way, fear uh, fear by any name, anxiety or worry or 
nervousness or apprehension is really what you don't know about the danger. The more you know about a danger, the less frightening it is, right? You might want to ponder that a little bit, but it's really true. Uh, I think even Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, said knowledge is the antidote to fear. So this is a breakthrough. Fear is not really about danger. It's about things we don't understand. We're in less and less and less and less danger all the time. I know we've got a president trying to scare the bejesus out of us. We have uh, so-called terrorists in the world who are supposedly trying to frighten us and terrorize us. That's always been the way people have been controlled by others is by frightening them. But it's, it's not really a danger per se. It's confusion which is scary. So do you see the vicious cycle? Fear and ignorance. Anything scary, frightening, stressful, about which you're apprehensive or nervous, is going to confuse you, make you ignorant, even less aware than you were a few minutes ago, which is a frightening feeling. And so things unknown and confusing create fear, and fear creates more confusion, More fear, more ignorance, more fear, more ignorance, and there's your vicious cycle. All right. You need to understand fear is a dynamic and confusion is a dynamic, is this, this whirlpool, this, this energy vortex that is indeed a vicious cycle. It'll pull you down, it'll suck you in, it'll trap you in anxiety, stress, and fear which has this intimate relationship with confusion. And, and to, put a, to, to refine this, I'm not talking about just any kind of confusion. I'm talking about things that you don't know about yourself. All right? So all so-called negative feelings are really, I'm arguing, this is my, I'm, I'm holding this out to you. I'd love to be challenged on this or quizzed on it or whatever in a few minutes when we open the phones. All fear-based feelings, I'm arguing, all negative feelings, so-called, anything that hurts or upsets you is fear-based and it has an intimate relationship with what you don't know about yourself. And there is the vicious cycle. Fear and ignorance. Well, fear is a uh, frightening word. And ignorance is a rather insulting word, so I could soften it for you and call it uh, anxiety and confusion. That anxiety feeds confusion, and confusion feeds anxiety. But if you want to just uh, take it like uh, straight on, you know, without hedging, it's fear and ignorance, man. It's fear and ignorance. And traditionally, the wisdom traditions call that evil. You can go back to the hermetic traditions of ancient Egypt. Uh, the pyramid builders defined evil as this vicious cycle, fear and ignorance. In other words, evil is not an external thing, but your internal response, your failure to know how to deal with the vicious cycle of fear and ignorance. That's what evil is. And I know it's hard to look at People you think of as evil as being frightened, stupid people, but <laughs> in fact, even though they may run governments or run big corporations or other institutions, 
people who use fear are often frightened people themselves. And it's their defense. Sometimes they're just clever manipulators. So what's the antithesis of this? Does it make sense that there might be, just like in weather, a high-pressure area that spins in one direction and a low-pressure area that spins in the other direction? One cyclonic, the other anti-cyclonic, one that pulls you down and maybe one that lifts you up? Yeah. And that's the sacred spiral. The sacred spiral is a non-vicious cycle, if, if you will, that instead of pulling you down and trapping you, lifts you, supports you, and liberates you. And it's the antithesis of fear and ignorance, which would be love and understanding. Love as understanding. Again, love as peace that promotes understanding. Love as consciousness or awareness, love as fearlessness, is spiritual love. This is the love that most people don't get. Even so-called Christians that walk around saying, well, we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love our neighbors. We're supposed to, hell, love everybody. Love people that like us, love people that don't like us, forgive people that hurt us, love our enemies. It's not an easy thing to do. And, of course, there is the super-zealot group in any religion that claims to be philosophically religious, but for whatever reason, they never get the principle. Uh, Love is at the center of all religions, and yet we have in all religions people that are not very loving. (laughs) claim to be religious, but you know, are out to pretty much kill anybody that disagrees with them, whether it's Christian, Jew, Muslim, Hindu, whatever. A lot of murder, a lot of hatred based on what's supposed to be love. Pretty wacky, huh? I think these two models help you understand. So the sacred spiral, again, found in the wisdom traditions of all religions, standing more importantly above religion in the great philosophies of all ages and all ethnicities, all cultures and all times. Talk about the relationship between love and understanding. And again, just as I described fear as being about ignorance, and then I added the caveat, ignorance about yourself, not the world around you. Well, love and understanding is the sacred spiral that, again, is very personal. So here, the understanding that promotes love and comes from the expanded awareness that is love is very personal. It's yourself that you need to understand who you really are. And that's the legend of the sacred spiral. And you find it again and again and again in metaphysics and the wisdom philosophies. You might know it by other names like the stairway to heaven. You may know it as uh, Jacob's ladder. You just didn't know it was a spiralic ladder. You might know it as um, the ladder of lights, Kabbalah or the path of liberation, or um, the stairway of unfoldment. Um, Lots of different names for it. 
It's also represented in the uh, chakras, the spine, the caduceus. You know that little uh, stick with uh, two snakes winding around it and the eagle wings at the top? Hermes carries it in the old Greek pantheon, Hermes from the Egyptian traditions. Uh, they, that, that represents the chakras and the spine. And there again, a kind of ascension, a ladder of lights. This is the spiral staircase, right? This is the sacred spiral that, that moving on up, spiritual evolution or unfoldment has a round and around and around quality at the same time it has a moving on up kind of a quality. So there's your sacred spiral. So just as fear comes out of ignorance, which promotes more ignorance and more fear and more ignorance and more fear about the self, put yourself in the middle of that. Those who seek to understand themselves can move, and I'm going to tell you how to connect the two here in a minute, and then we'll go to the telephones. You can move, you can transmute, there's an alchemical term, you can uplift, redeem, save, refine, improve, lots of different terms again, yourself from the vicious cycle of fear and ignorance, and we all know that one real well, to this beautiful sacred spiral of love and understanding. And again, just as fear promotes ignorance, which promotes more fear and more ignorance, loving, peaceful states promote insight and understanding. And aha! An illumination. The light bulb comes on. Oh, I see. <laughs> Which allows you to go, ah, sigh of relief. And now you get more peace and more love. Which expands your awareness. You get more insight, more light, more understanding, more love, more understanding. And now the same kind of round and round the same kind of cycle, but this one lifts you up. It refines you. You're moving on up. And in terms of this particular lifetime, I know it's portrayed in religion as redemption is, salvation is, you live once and you die, and then maybe if you do this right, you go to heaven. I'm talking about every problem in your life can be redeemed in this way. I'm talking about every hurt and upset in your life, moment to moment, day to day. You have to do this again and again and again and again, and that's lift your ignorance to understanding, your fear to peace and love. And the way to do it, I'd argue, my, just my model, and I think of it as two tracks on a railroad, RR, railroad, a railroad as two tracks, right? Only instead of railroad, the two R's are relaxation and responsibility. So the way to move all of your ignorance and confusion to love and understanding is through relaxation and responsibility. And relaxation is not only your meditation exercise, but also the mindfulness that hopefully we carry throughout the day between our meditations. When you finish a nice, relaxing meditation, take a deep breath, open your eyes, and move out into the world. Stay awake. Stay aware. 
<laughs> stay mindfully conscious. And then you're going to understand responsibility is the opportunity to choose, to be at choice, to choose how you look at things, to choose how you respond. How many of us fight life again and again? Boy, it's so easy to get sucked into struggling against what's happening to you, resisting it. And there is the pain, there is the hurt, there is the frustration. It's, <laughs> it's from resisting reality rather than allowing or accepting and saying, well, come on in. I get to duck and dodge. I get to determine my point of view, my attitude, and I will also choose a response maybe even substitute an even-tempered, well-reasoned response for those usual reflexes, those knee-jerk reactions. All the reactionaries in the world are not on the political right. They're all over the spectrum. You know, People who just act or just talk without thinking. That's what it means. That's what it means to be a reactionary without thinking of choices. So to be responsible, I've always, I've always liked, I really enjoy playing with the word responsible is the ability to choose a response. Choice is the important part. Choice is in the middle there. Responsibility is not to, 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 to be to blame or to blame yourself. It's to empower and liberate yourself to say, I will choose how I'm going to handle this. Buck up, buddy. Yippee-i-okay, let's get it on. Let's stare it in the face. Let's move to the heart of darkness. Let's die to the pain and be the spiritual warrior that heads right into the middle of the nastiness. And voila. When you face ignorance, you create an opportunity to understand it. And then the ignorance goes away. And that's how love redeems fear. It's that easy. All of the big mystery about how do I fight fear? What is the magical transmuting quality of love that it changes things, that it redeems, that it uplifts? Well, if you just substitute for fear ignorance about yourself and for love, I don't mean emotional romantic love, no, spiritual love. See, that is understanding. Well, Emerson was right then. Knowledge or understanding is the antidote to fear. In the same way, peace, a peaceful state of mind, Christ consciousness, Buddha consciousness, to be awake and aware and alert, sentient, you know, a rare state for many of us. That's the alternative. That's the option. And therein is the story of the sacred spiral, the spiralic staircase. And you always wondered about those allegories, like the path up the mountain that goes around and around. And around. Most paths up the mountain switch back. They, <laughs> they don't really go around. So if you want to call a switchback, you mountain climbers, you backpackers know exactly what I'm talking about, going up those switchbacks. In fact, I can only think 
I can only think of one mountain I ever walked where the path really went around and around the outside. It was up by uh, San Francisco, Mount Tamalpais, right, uh, right uh, on the north side of the of the bridge there in Marin County. You climb Mount Tam, you get this incredible view of the San Francisco Bay, the city of San Francisco, and Oakland, and that whole area. Well, as I remember, I haven't been up there in a long time, but that trail actually, like the sacred spiral, goes around the mountain as you as you move to the top. But whether it's uh, that kind of spiral or the switchback, you'll find mystical allegory full of these uh, journeys up the mountain, climbing the mountain, the idea that the guru waits for you at the top of the mountain. Well, who do you think that is? That's you. The, the wise sage sitting at the mountaintop waiting for your arrival, that's you. That's you. That wise sage or guru is with you during the whole climb. Anytime you want to sit down and pay attention. 818-985-5735 if you have questions or comments about our topic today. Positive feelings is love and understanding. Negative feelings as a refusal to face fear and ignorance in a very, very personal way. But because there's value in the negative, let's not call it negative. Let's face it, and let's redeem it. Not just once in a lifetime, but on a daily basis, with every hurt, every upset, every problem you have, every seeming conflict, every diversity, every unmet desire can be resolved in this same way. Use relaxation and responsibility to move from that vicious cycle of fear and ignorance to the beautiful spiral of love and understanding. You'll feel yourself moving up. You won't be pulled down anymore. You won't feel trapped. It's like uh, catching a hot air draft. I can only imagine what it must be like to uh, like be in a hang glider and find a thermal. And let one of those warm-up drafts carry you up higher and higher and higher. Pretty cool. That would be cool. I'm a little big for that kind of sport, but that'd be pretty cool. 818-985-5735. We're talking about fear and ignorance. We're talking about love and understanding and how to get from the former to the latter. The vicious cycle and the sacred spiral. I bet you know something about it like to hear from you. 818-985-5735. 985-KPFK in the 818 area code. And we'll be back with your phone calls right after this. I'm Michael Benner, and together we're listening to InterVision on KPFK. KPFK indeed on your very own radio. 90.7 all over Southern California. Out of Santa Barbara County, 98.7 FM and streaming for the world at kpfk.org. I want to remind you about the podcast. We get more every week, and uh, it's a far-out uh, far out deal. It's absolutely free for you. And, uh, you know, I'll, I, I will be very happy if I never hear again, but I don't have an iPod. Podcasts are really misnamed. They have nothing to do with iPods. Uh, podcasts are netcasts. They're webcasts. They are uh, they are programs that instead of needing to be broadcast over the radio, 
they're put right on your computer for you. You don't have to come to my website every week and download a program that you were not able to listen to. You can do that at kpfk.org anytime you want. All of our shows, for the most part, there are some exceptions, but the bulk of the radio programs heard on this station are archived on the kpfk.org website for 90 days from the date of broadcast, so you can go there anytime you want, look up the show you want to hear, and with a single click of the mouse, either download it onto your computer, listen to it at your leisure, or listen to it streaming from the KPFK website, or you could subscribe to the podcast, which is like the download, except it comes to you. So that's the one I suggest. You can also get our podcast on the iTunes Music Store, which is very, very easy, too. And just type my name, Michael Benner, into the search box at the iTunes Music Store, and a couple of shows will pop up. A show I did with Steve Snyder a few years ago called Breakthrough. That's a free podcast. And this one, free podcast. Okay, So, no, you don't need an iPod. It's got nothing to do with it. Listen on your computer. I've told this story to a number of people. I don't know that I've mentioned it on the radio before, but when I got interested really in a big way in podcasts was when uh, I was driving down Sunset Boulevard and we went by Tower Records. This was probably uh, a year or so ago. And we drove by Tower Records, and the place was boarded up and padlocked. And I thought, Tower Records boarded and padlocked? Where are people going to buy their CDs? Then I realized, well, who's buying CDs anymore? Most music is coming off the Internet, whether it's the iTunes Music Store or Napster or... There's a half a dozen other places and more. And even if you did buy a CD, drive halfway across town, bring it home, what are you going to do with it? You're going to stick it in your computer to listen to. Maybe download it as an MP3 so you could put it on your remote player. And, and so that's the direction that we're headed in. It's like TiVo for radio. And you're also going to get your movies that way. Netflix now. You don't even have to wait for it to come in the mail. used to be you had to drive to Blockbuster, right? Then you went to Netflix. Well, they'll mail it to you. Well, now, bang, it's on your computer. And uh, so that's the direction. It's pretty exciting, too. Everything is going to be at your fingertips, if not already on the computer. Let's go to the phones. We'll start in Santa Monica with Lily. You're on KPFK with Michael Benner on Intervision. Hi, Lily. Hi, Michael. Um, I just wanted to share an ability to respond that I had yesterday. Okay. I was at the dentist. Then there was one tooth that simply would not numb. You know, like five jolts of Novocaine and it wouldn't numb. And I figured something's up. And, well, I went to see who, in my mind... Yeah, just ask and see who came up, who needs forgiving, you know? Uh-huh. And somebody came forward of, like, the most horrendous uh, offense <laughs> that I have ever taken offense to. Someone who hurt you deeply. Someone very, very deeply, and okay. it went through lifetimes. 
Uh-huh. And um, I uh, had done the Brandon Bay's workshop on the journey work, which is all about forgiveness. Uh-huh. And I cut to the chase of that because there wasn't time. And what happened was that I was able to let him go, get him off my hook, because I realized that he was just a player in my own pageant. And for some reason, I thought it was appropriate to go through some absolute anguish. And so the one I had to forgive was myself, and I was on the verge of doing this and asking the dentist and the assistant not to talk so that I could complete my process. I, I turned to the dentist, who's this really cool guy, and I said, can you just hug me? And as soon as he put his arms around me, it all became real, and I started crying. I started crying, and I was saying, oh, my God, I'm finally free, and I knew it was true. I... Um, it's over <laughs> after it's lifetimes and lifetimes, you know, like being burned for a witch and all kinds of crap. It's over. It's finally over. And son of a gun, that tooth went numb. Bingo, he could do anything he wanted to. <laughs> That's far out. You know, in the dream dictionaries and archetypal work um, that Jung started, teeth often come up as an allegory for some sort of problem. Mm. You know, something that's too tough to chew on, you know, that you're chewing on a problem. And so dreams of teeth falling out and broken teeth and that kind of thing. Well, I've learned that unforgiveness, and basically it's always for ourselves that we have to forgive and it comes right down to it. Oh, yeah, because you're the one that's carrying the load. That's right. And But it tends to lodge in the body. And this sure. is the second time I've had this happen at the dentist. Sure. So now you know where fear hides. Sure do. And tight muscles. Yep. And, uh, and so, teeth. <laughs> and, and teeth, yes. So uh, tension or resistance to life is the difficulty, is the challenge. Yeah. To go with the flow, you know, it's a nice little saying, and sometimes even appears rather trite, but it's the resistance to things being the way they are that hurts. It's It's not the problem. It's our resistance to yeah. the problem that hurts. And I went right into the heart of the pain. Yeah, well, there you go. The only way to go. Yeah. The heart of darkness. That's it. Yeah. Good. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And Thank uh, you. nice to hear the teeth are all better now, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for Thanks calling. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I don't know who gets credit for the saying, but you've probably heard it. All forgiveness is a gift to yourself. And uh, it's true. Uh, to forgive the abuser, to forgive the person that hurts you, is a necessary step. But ultimately, what forgiveness is, is a letting go of muscular tension, the particular tension that you've been using to hold on to the grudge, or the sense of uh, a vengeance, or the part of you that thinks you have to protect yourself, or armor yourself, steel yourself against being hurt in a similar way in the future. Well, all of that's muscular tension. So feel safe and relaxed, and you got to put that stuff down. you got to let it go. So that's what forgiveness is. It's letting go. It's, if, if you think of it, I mean, 
What sense does it make when somebody hurts you or upsets you, betrays you, slanders you, whatever, to carry a grudge? If you're the one that as a result of carrying the grudge hurts, it's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to pay them back by continuing to hurt myself. I don't get that. I, I, I understand the, the automatic part of it. Like we think somehow there's going to be some satisfaction in that. I mean, look what's happened in Afghanistan and Iraq and then think about 9-11 and say, do I feel better? Because that's what y'all wanted. After 9-11, I got hate mail because I was talking about meditating, breathing, relaxing, and God forbid, forgiveness. Okay, everybody wanted to kill somebody. I, You know, just like a, a mosquito bites you and you swat it without thinking. Let's kill something. Somebody, anybody. Uh the guys that did this were from Saudi Arabia. Well, we can't go there. That's where all our oil comes from. So let's go to, uh, oh, Afghanistan. We'll kill some people there. Feel better? No. I wonder why. Oh, let's go to Iraq. We'll kill some people there. We installed Saddam Hussein. We through the Reagan administration and Donald Rumsfeld gave him the weapons of mass destruction. I heard, <laughs> I heard Ted Koppel a few months ago. He's retired now, so he can talk. Dan Rather's retired now, so he's spouting off on Larry King about the corporate media. Fine, Dan, a little late. We could have used your help a while back on that. Um, it's, it, <laughs> we just don't want to own our pain. And no, I don't suppose anybody does feel better now that hundreds of thousands of people have died. I mean, more people were killed in New Orleans, in Katrina, after that hurricane and after those levees let loose. More people died in New Orleans than in 9-11 but you don't have anybody to target your hate toward. Well, you do, but it would be us, right? And the fact that so many of us believe that government's not supposed to work, government's not supposed to help. Those, it was their fault. Blame the mayor. Leave them to the, to their own devices. They're overwhelmed in a storm. It's all their fault. It's <laughs> so silly. Let's go to Burbank. Ivan, you're on KPFK with Michael Benner. Hi, Ivan. Hi, how's it going? Better and better, thanks. <laughs> I just, uh, actually goes exactly along with what you were just saying. Um, a lot of people are uh, angry and uh, have a lot of negative feelings regarding what's going on in the world today. Uh, the wars and the uh, killing and everything else, but actually, ultimately, the solution to all of most of our world's problems is looking into our own souls, into our own selves, and uh, resolving our own issues, our own negativity. And yep. uh, it's until you create peace within yourself, you cannot even think about creating peace outside of yourself. Because yep. you're just going to be working with whatever you have inside of you, therefore projecting it outside into the real world. I'm serious in asking this. I don't mean to be flippant, but I really mm -hmm. want to know. 
how'd you figure that out, or where did you learn that, or did it come um, at once, or in a series of little epiphanies, or? It is, uh, it is, it is a long process of uh, <laughs> self-realization and self-contemplation. Actually, um, it, it happened actually within the last one year. Um, really. And I mean, it, it, it happened over a long period of time of me searching through different. Uh, I mean, just reading and 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 you know knowledge that book knowledge and then taking that knowledge and reflecting it on my own personal uh being and uh, after i started killing the ego <laughs> uh-huh. basically that's what we have to do is kill our own egos um until the ego is dead we cannot move on to the next stage of of evolution of uh evolution of consciousness um uh, I would say, and it basically just happened through very slow, strenuous process. I like but the it, idea it, of. It, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just going to say that the rewards, of, even though it is very slow and very demanding from our own selves, because we are our own greatest critics, it, it is also the sweetest uh, reward because the reward is happiness. The reward is ultimate freedom from That's it. the real world. Happiness and freedom. I mean, it's pretty high. Um, the ego death thing, I understand the meaning of that, and I even have used that phrase myself in the past, but uh, i got to tell you, I have um, a sense that as long as we're in a body, we need an ego. We just, don't, we just don't want it to run the show. Oh, yeah, that's, very, that's very true. So I think the ego should be the alter self. Yes, yes. And uh, harmonize it. In in Western mysticism, there's a sense of uh, so-called chemical wedding, mm-hmm. which is the marriage of the persona, the ego, and the higher self or the soul. And then the soul is the master of the house, and the ego is is a partner, but in a somewhat... Uh, it's like a little brother or a little sister that you care for, you know. Yeah, it is. It is basically the, the inner child uh, that yeah. you keep as a in check, almost. As you basically, well, it's it's all archetypes of our own. They, they are, and inner child, you got to be careful of that because, uh, in many ways, your inner child could be the higher self rather than the ego. Exactly. But uh, I, I'll, I'll offer you another allegory, which is domesticating wild animals. Yes. Yes. If you treat the ego like it's a wild vicious, untamed animal, then we can be in charge of domesticating that animal within us, that animal nature within us that is totally fear-based. When I hear people saying on the right or even in the center politically, Mm -hmm. oh, you can't negotiate with those terrorists. They're not going to sit down and talk to you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as if they don't have children that they love and you know the same dreams and aspirations, pretty much as anybody else. Yeah, it, it, a lot of it also comes from people not realizing the big picture, and that actually, pretty much every single human is very, very similar. Well, I just yeah. think of that. What was that TV show with the grizzly bear on it? Um, General which one? Ben or something? General... Oh, Yogi Bear? No, no, no. It was the Dennis Weaver. Uh, General Ben, I think, was the name of it. Oh, right, 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 right. Well. Grizzly bear, black bear, whatever, that bear was domesticated. Mm-hmm. That bear had its fear removed. Mm-hmm. 
And usually the way we domesticate animals and make them reliant upon us is by feeding them and training them. Well, why can't we do that with our so-called enemies? If somebody bombs the World Trade Center, maybe our first response would be to find out who did it and then give them food and books. Mm-hmm. Feed them and educate them. Take so their respond with kindness. <laughs> yeah, there's a crazy thought. Instead of respond, because more violence just creates more violence. Well, it works for animals. Why wouldn't it work for the least civilized among us? Exactly. And I'm I'm including some of our own countrymen in that as well. Yeah, I think think the humans believe, uh, we believe that we have advanced so much past our animal instincts, but Uh a lot of of our uh, today's society is ruled by the animal instincts and uh instead of realizing that where we come from with realization of who we are and where we come from we can actually change it uh people just like to be in denial <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, they like to think that they're better than animals and but I want to take one more call and I'm almost out of time so I'm going to I'm going to no bail problem. on you but thank you man no problem have, have a, a wonderful day. weekend you too let's go to Robert in West LA you're on KPFK Intervision with Michael Benner. Hello, Robert. Hey, Michael. How you doing? Better and better. better thank and better, you. Always better yeah. and better. Yep, yep. Hey, uh, it's been touched upon. You've said it a number of ways, but I'll say it again since it, as you've said before, bears repeating. Because the hardest thing to remember in that moment when we can make a choice is that we have an intention to do so. Um, when confusion arises, the best thing we can ever do is just embrace it. Embrace it. Accept it because resistance to it um, really robs that we rob ourselves of a chance to, as you said, learn something about ourselves. Right. Whatever it is that's arising that is making us uncomfortable, that is disturbing our comfort zone, is something reverberating with some experience we've just had and don't even know it in most cases. It's trying to tell us about content that is getting ultimately in the way of a pure and more complete experience of who it is that we are. In our society, we're conditioned very early on to either distract ourselves or be distracted uh, from uncomfortable feelings, confusion, etc., etc. I have to leave it at that. I hear the theme in the background, so we're out of time, Robert, but you nailed it, buddy. Thank you. Take care. Yeah. It's not the problem that is making your life so painful. It's your resistance. <laughs> we want everything to be comfortable and cozy. I understand that. But the purpose of life uh, is not for you to be comfortable and cozy. It's not even your life. It's an experience available to you so that you can grow. Find me. Find some life that is not growing. Or find growth that is not alive. The two are inseparable. We're all here to grow, to learn, to get better. So be grateful for the rewards and benefits in your life, but be grateful also for all the opportunities to learn from adversity. Yeah, that's it. Wish we had more time. Thanks to D'Angelo for uh, engineering. Brooks, as always, for producing. My wife, Doreen, for all that she does. And again, happy birthday, darling. 39 again. I love you. More than ever. And to each and every one of you, especially those I'm going to see on Sunday, Yahoo, get excited. And uh, 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Bender. You've been listening to Intervision on Radio Powered by the People, KPFK, 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, and you can listen live also at www.kpfk.org.